0: Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. This week's message with Tom Hughes, we continue in Daniel chapter 9. In the book of Daniel, there are prophecies that were hidden until the last days. Now, in the days we live, we see that these prophecies are no longer hidden. Let's get started. So what do we have in the news? Harvey Weinstein to get special treatment as officials fear an Epstein incident. Now, you remember Jeffrey Epstein? How many of you remember Jeffrey Epstein? Okay, did he kill himself? Nick? Okay, well, enough said, all right. New Mexico Mexico governor signs red flag gun confiscation into law, tells sheriffs to enforce it or resign. These are things you are not hearing about in the news, are they? You heard a little bit about Virginia. You probably didn't know about that. So everybody says California has got the worst laws in the nation. Um, Listen, we battle some things. Let me tell you, Oregon, uh, Washington, they're more progressive than we are in California. That's hard to believe with Governor Newsom and everything we see here. Uh, But you look at these other states, Illinois, uh, Minnesota, uh, New York, New Jersey, Virginia, New Mexico. You're going, wow, they got all these things going on. Let me tell you, we do. Uh, Then there's this, Louis Farrakhan says to Khomeini, Destroying America is at top of my list. So Louis Farrakhan, many of you are familiar with who he is, and uh, he's been preaching his message against Israel, and uh, now he's made it very clear that's included with America too. Um, And then there is this from the Washington Times, the United States is to free 5,000 Taliban fighters. Lift sanctions on leaders. Okay, this is part of a, an agreement that Trump promised to pull troops out of Afghanistan. Look at this. I don't know all the details in this. I read uh, this particular article, but in my mind, surface level reading, 5,000 Taliban fighters to be released, doesn't sound like a good idea to me. I don't know about you guys. But somehow I have a feeling this is not going to turn out good. It seemed like a good idea at the time, said somebody. (laughs) We'll see what happens with this, and we'll keep watching. A new study shows nearly half of mainline Protestant pastors support gay marriage. So the church, and I've said this, and you guys know this. uh, Many of you agree with this. The biggest problem in America, I believe, is... The truth of God's word not being taught in the pulpits and people are willing pastors are willing to compromise in order to please the masses of the people they're afraid of losing people from the pews they're afraid of not being able to make budgets they're afraid what people might say about them online uh, whatever it is Uh, but in the attempt to be a people pleaser and fit in with the culture uh, they've compromised spiritual truth according to the word of god and this is very problematic listen there's forgiveness for for sin for all sin for anyone who would come to faith in the lord jesus christ homosexuality is a sin and you can be forgiven of it Uh, but when you have pastors who take marriage in the beginning god made them male and female Um, the first marriage was adam and eve Uh, you see this and you're thinking Well, this is an affront to God's Word. This is really what this is. It it is, uh, when you look at transgenderism and all these different things going on that we're dealing with, and churches in America are saying, well, actually, no, this is just okay. God has to get with the program, or whatever it is, right? You know, God never changes. And when you see marriage like this and then the other things that have even gotten more progressive than this, over the last several years, you look, you go, okay. These I can tell from a from a perspective of someone who reads the Bible. This is in a direct attack by the enemy on the validity of the Word of God from the Book of Genesis. When God great attack on that, because when Satan can cause a churchgoer to say, "Well, you, the Bible doesn't really mean that," or "You can't really believe that part of the Bible." Well, as soon as you can say, "Well, that part of the Bible doesn't apply," or it's different now in our culture, then you can say that with anything you want in the Bible. And Satan knows that. And I think this is an enormous, a big problem, not just this subject, but pastors in the pulpits being unwilling to stick to the truth of God's Word and proclaim it as truth. God help us, 41 Democratic senators vote against protecting already-born babies from being legally murdered. You hear about this, and uh, this is something else that came out of another state last year also, not just California. Um, But I look at this and think, God help us is right. There are problems, big problems. And um, you look, you go, how much longer, Lord? You think of how many abortions have there been in America since Roe v. Wade? 65 million, 70 million, something like that? Do you realize how many people that is? And, and it's the innocent blood crying out. Again, a person can be forgiven for, for having an abortion. A, an abortion doctor could be forgiven. There's forgiveness for anyone who will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean that this is right to do this sort of thing. And you look at this and you go, these are the reasons why God judged Judah in the past and why God judged Israel in the past. Listen, this is just a short sampling of the news. And you see these things, and you wonder how much longer, Lord. In the next few minutes, you're really going to wonder how much longer, Lord. 347 rabbis sign letter rejecting Bernie Sanders' outrageous comments. Right? This is from Jerusalem Post. I want you to think about this. Joel Rosenberg's blog. Joel Rosenberg, who is really rather reserved, typically, for certain comments. He's very... Uh, effective at ministering to both jews and palestinians and the entire mid-east even in iraq and and elsewhere but joel rosenberg wrote this as terrorists fire 80 plus rockets at israel how many of you knew that was happening last week you got that red alert thing on your phone you and keep a, a aware of these things senator bertie sanders says he's boycotting apac conference which started uh tim, uh pastor tim from 412 Murrieta, who speaks here sometimes. He's at APAC. It was really cool. He got invited to go to APAC. Totally cool what God's doing with Pastor Tim. So as terrorists fire 80 plus rockets at Israel, Senator Bernie Sanders says he's boycotting APAC conference, will cut military aid to Israel, will give the money to Hamas in Gaza. This is true. This is a dangerous man at a dangerous time. Here's what you need to know. He went on and spelled out several different things. Senator Sanders is vowing to cut U.S. annual military aid to Israel. Senator Sanders is calling for a fundamental change in U.S. policy towards Israel. Sanders says he will send money earmarked for Israel to Gaza, which is fully controlled by the Hamas terrorist organization. Sanders says he will re-enter the insane Iran nuclear deal that is so dangerous both to the U.S. and Israeli national security. And then he writes this, um, please pray more than ever for the peace of Jerusalem and for God's grace. Please pray, too, for Senator Sanders to have a dramatic change of heart. Uh, you, you look at these things and you go, uh, is this really true? How could this be? But I want you to think, taking the money earmarked for Israel and saying, we're going to give that to Hamas? Is that, uh, why would you do something like that? Now, keep in mind, also, Bernie Sanders is Jewish. So when you keep it from that perspective, you're going, well, this really makes no sense. Why would a Jewish man do something like this to other Jews, to, to uh, Israel? Uh, but if you, if you know the, the life of George Soros, who also happens to be Jewish, during the days of Nazi Germany to save his own skin, I watched the, you, you can watch the 60 Minutes interview. You can still pull it up on YouTube. Um, George Soros was asked, Uh, What he did during the Nazi Germany uh, days is he compromised all his integrity and he willingly told the Nazis where Jews were living. He was willing to turn over other Jews to be taken to the death camps. It saved his own skin and I guess he made money off it too. And you look at that and you go, why on earth would you do that? And he said, well, if I didn't do it, somebody else would have done it. And you look, you go, how... How could, how could you do such things? But the problem I see with this is <clears throat> the people that are running for to be president of the United States right now is very troubling, especially um, when you look at uh, Bernie Sanders, where he's coming from. It's not just some of the policies. It is this anti-American and anti-Israel policies, anti-Jew policy. Um, you, you look at the the direction of this world going more and more towards anti-Semitism and anti-Christianity, you need to be uh, alerted and pay attention. Because I'm telling you, things are going to change. Uh, Right now, that that, that, that dam is holding this whole thing from flooding. But that dam is broken. It's got cracks in it. And that's why we're seeing this type of thing come from people who are senators in the United States. And we're hearing these things. And, and, but it's just a matter of time. Listen, after the rapture, that dam is going to break. And um, it, and I look and go, uh, pray pray for the peace of Jerusalem, uh, pray for the salvation of Bernie Sanders, pray for a uh, changing uh, of our leadership. If, if and and nothing else, pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, because this place this place doesn't want God, um, and certainly doesn't want you either. Um, but then there's this, back to the coronavirus. So, there's a picture of the Pope. Coughing Pope cancels retreat. Addresses flock from a window. virus spreads to over 60 countries. France closes the Louvre. A psychosis in Milan. Delta suspends flights. Empty streets. Economic turmoil. Sick map. West Coast on alert. Wall Street preps for possible shutdown of trading floor. Trump says, don't panic. Inside White House's frantic attempts to minimize crisis. Rumors and chaos in Alabama point to big problems. Grocers prepare. China officials ordered cover-up. And, and there's more and more and more of these things going on. Uh, what do I think about the coronavirus? I told you a little bit last week. I'm not, uh, 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 I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Um, I used to mow lawns for a living some 35 years ago. You know, Before that, I was putting on roofs. And, um, and God saved me. I went to college for about an hour and a half. It was, it was a business law class, and I decided I, I, I was done with school. And, and, it, and I didn't like school. The only thing I liked about school is having fun. So why did I enroll in college? And I said, ah, this isn't for me. And uh, So I am proof that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I'm living proof of that. So I look at that. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But I... I I do study the Bible, and I know it pretty well, and I also know uh, an awful lot about what the Bible has to say regarding last days and things like pestilence. So I look at this, and if the coronavirus mounts to a, a, a big nothing burger, which, understand that the coronavirus is just another form of the cold, and a lot of people do not know that, a very small percentage of people are actually dying over this. The Spanish flu was much more devastating. Uh, I remember the Hong Kong flu. I think it was back in the 1960s. How many of you remember that? And hearing all that. So, look, this is, is, is nothing like those things. And people do get um, and, uh But, I mean, when people get the flu in America, a lot more, the percentage of people dying from the flu is way higher than this, all right? So people are not traveling. By the way, now is a really good time to buy an airplane ticket. I'm just saying, you want to travel? Buy a ticket right now. I'm serious. You know, I, I'm not too worried about this. Now, granted, I read reports. I read them today. It's the end of the world. But I look at it and I say, is it really? What I do witness is people freaking out. And that is causing some economic problems. The stock market had a major downturn. China has some serious economic problems going on right now because of this. So these things are happening. I think these things are happening more because of the fear and expectation of the things coming upon the world, which was what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21. From the fear and expectations, people are going to be dying. They're they're going to have heart attacks over there. They're afraid. And people are freaking out all over the world. And I believe some people are intentionally spinning this to make it really bad. Now, again, I could be wrong. Last week I said a few things, and I got some people sending me messages saying, well, this is much worse than I think it is. Okay, maybe it is, all right? Maybe it is, but I look at this. I look at this event as the perfect opportunity for the globalists to do everything they can to seize control, because they are losing control. You do realize that, right? Um, This globalist agenda has to come about. Uh, Antichrist has to sit at the top of this global new world order that is coming. So I look at this and go, it's a perfect event or an event like this uh, for people who are anti uh, vaccination this is also the perfect event to force everybody to say you must be vaccinated uh, against your will, because look, it's people like you that are causing coronaviruses to take over the world. Um, and I, I talked a little bit about an idea that an ID that is going to be connected with vaccination a few weeks ago. I've got to work that up more, probably next week because it'll fit the message better next week. Um, ID 2020 is what I think it's called. But I see this as being very real. When you start looking at vaccinations and globalism and pestilence, because the Bible says pestilence is going to be here in the last days. Jesus is very clear in, the, in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Book of Revelation chapter 6 is also very clear. Pestilence is going to become an enormous problem. A quarter of the world is going to die because of uh, pestilence and other things related all at the same time. Famine, think of locusts and things like that that are happening right now. Okay, so with that, let's just suppose with me that this turns into a nothing burger. All right? The rapture takes place. And then a real pestilence problem does break out. How many people are going to say, eh, I remember the coronavirus? And then you have a quarter of the world's population that is not prepared, and they are dead. It's like the crying the wolf. But you see these things, the dynamics are enormous in the world that we live in today for, for the various things that are taking place. And we're going to see a few more in just a minute. Uh, and we live in some exciting times. And then there is this, uh, Netanyahu heads to Abraham's tomb to ask God for Israel's salvation. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Are we that close that the Lord is returning? And look at all the different events. I'd say we live in amazing days. Uh, With that, we're in Daniel chapter 9. All this is going to tie in together. With this message titled, No Longer Hidden. There are prophecies in the book of Daniel that were hidden until the end of days, the last days. We're going to see more of it later next week in chapter 9. Also chapter 11 and chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. Daniel has already wished to know things. He had some dreams. He wanted to know things and he was informed by the angel. Hey Daniel, you're not going to get it. It's not going to make sense to you. Uh, but the, but uh, in chapter 12 we read but the people who are living in the last days things will make sense to them. When we were in chapter 8 last time uh, Daniel had his vision of last days empires. He had his vision of Uh, The Last Day Empire and also the Antichrist. And when we get to chapter 9, when chapter 9 opens up, chapter 9 opens up with a prayer of Daniel, which we're going to see in just a minute. And then uh, beginning next Sunday night, Daniel is given the most prophetic and insightful passage to the advancement of the Antichrist and the covenant he makes with the Jews during the Great Tribulation. Tonight is the prayer. And in this prayer, we learn how to hear from God, especially in regards to things of the last days, the things that Daniel is writing about and wanting to know about. So you ready? Okay. Chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Uh, Number one, let's stop here for just a couple of minutes. Number one, God wants us to understand Bible prophecy. He gives it to us, not so we won't understand it, so that we will understand it. Also, by the way, I need to move on. Uh, I, I, I need to say this before we move on. Uh, if you're visiting here on Sunday nights, I know we get visitors here, uh, maybe they came in the morning, and all of a sudden they came back Sunday night, and they went, oh, what is this? This is a whole different message than I'm used to on, Sunday, uh, on a Sunday message from any church I've been to before. So here, here it is. If that's you, or maybe you're visiting here for the first time on Sunday nights, it's Bible prophecy every Sunday night. Now what happens is, because I do it every Sunday night, and so many people come, that we, we, have, we don't do much of the basics. So a lot of what I assume is you already have the basics, because I couldn't do the basics each week. So hence, I tend to lose some people. So please forgive me for that, but if you stay on Sunday nights long enough with Bible prophecy, you'll start to get it, and it'll start to make sense and you'll go, aha, and you will realize that we have God's Word written 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago even, that give us the events of the last days, events that I believe uh, that point to the days in which we live right now. The prophets wanted to know about the things of the last days. We are living in those times. And God wants us to understand Bible prophecy. First, uh, First point here tonight. So during the reign of Darius the Mede is how uh, chapter 9 opens up. Darius the Mede was the king who was in charge in the area of Babylon when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Remember that? So that was Darius. Daniel was in his 80s, uh, probably mid to late 80s. Some commentators even say he was uh, 90 when he was thrown into the lion's den. Uh, By the way, this is just a little kudos for you if you're older, and you're thinking older would be older than me. I'm uh, 37 years old this year, celebrating my birthday. All right, I'm not. I'm 60, right? Um, But if you're older, and you're thinking, I don't like to go out at night, I don't blame you. I don't like going out at night either, but I'm here. Uh, By the way, we're thinking about moving the service to four o'clock. Here's why. Would that work for anybody? Would it? Here's why. Because you get out earlier, we can have a barbecue all the time on Sunday night. It would be light out, and I can get home and not be afraid of the dark. And i think some of you might also. But seriously, we're, we're thinking about 4 o'clock. If that's something that interests you, on the internet, it's great. If you're back east, you can watch it live at 7 o'clock back east, but it always replays too. So if, you, if, if, if it looks like we have enough people that would go for that, we'll probably do it. Uh, even if it's selfish on my part, I think it would be it would be kind of nice, and we get to eat all the time. And you can go out to eat too. Y'all have time to do something like that. But with that, kudos to you if you're here studying Bible prophecy and such a deep and heavy topic on a Sunday night. You could be sitting at home. You could be wrapped up in a blanket and a rocking chair, or, or your lazy boy, which sounds kind of nice sometimes. But you're but you're here, and you're, going, you're You want to study Daniel. Could have been wrapped up in at home, but he's, he's pouring over uh, the he's pouring over the Bible, the prophecies during the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. So this takes us back a little bit in time with Daniel when uh, when he was younger, or when he was uh, actually when he was eighty, not when he was younger. In the first year of Darius' reign, Daniel understood. Verse two says, "By the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet." that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So Daniel, he's not sitting there in the lazy boy chair saying, I'm just going to kick back for the rest of my life. I've been a prophet for a long time. I've been thrown in the lion's den. My friends were thrown in the fiery furnace. I got kidnapped when I was young. Uh, This life hasn't been so pleasant. uh, So I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait and go to heaven. No, he's pouring over the books. Specifically, he is pouring over... The prophecies of uh, uh, Jeremiah. Listen, this isn't rocket science. Daniel read and he understood that portion of Bible prophecy. What did he read? The words written by Jeremiah. After God sent Israel into captivity to Babylon, he promised to bring them back into Jerusalem. Okay, And Daniel knew that the period was 70 years. So this is what happened. When Daniel was young, Jerusalem was invaded by the Babylonians. Daniel and a lot of other Jews were taken captive to Babylon. So that's what Daniel's he, Daniel's been there. He's going, wait a minute, I've been here almost 70 years. Our time is almost done. Daniel read Bible prophecy, and Daniel understood Bible prophecy. So the reason why Daniel knew the time of the Jews in captivity was almost done is because he read this from Jeremiah 29. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. He's talking about the Jews. And cause you to return to this place. Cause the Jews to return to Jerusalem. So Daniel read it He's an old man now. He's going, wow, it is almost over. This is the reason for you and I to read and to understand Bible prophecy. This went on and said, God said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, Israel, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. By the way, that verse gets quoted a lot for Christians today. God, he has thoughts toward us to give us a future and hope. And they'll make the application. Listen, I make that application all the time for me. The promises to Israel, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, are also promises for us. However, when you look at the primary purpose of this prophecy, this was pointing toward the Jews returning from Babylon, returning to the land, the city of Jerusalem, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. So Daniel read it, and he knew that he and his fellow Jews were going to soon have the opportunity to be able to go back home. You and I can understand Bible prophecy. And listen, a proper understanding of Bible prophecy will remind us that we have a future that cannot be fathomed. It's incredible. It is unimaginable. We have a future that is going to blow our minds away when we get to heaven. And a hope that encourages us through our own times of uh, trials and tribulations while we are still in this world. Uh, with that thought in mind, listen, God wants us to understand bible prophecy god wants us to have hope given the days in which we live however there are many churches that say god doesn't want you to understand bible prophecy god doesn't even want you to read bible prophecy in fact coming in in churches in america now is why on earth are you even wasting your time studying bible prophecy what a waste of time you know what God says? It's exactly the opposite. God gave us His Word. He gives us His prophetic Word. And He wants us to understand His prophetic Word for the last days. And He wants us to look for the blessed hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. How can we, how can we be watchmen? How can we, how can we even want to know that the Lord is returning if we're not even involved it is worth i talk to people all the time and bible prophecy is so foreign to them people who go to church i'm not talking about people who don't go to church i'm talking about people who go to church they don't know anything about the jews they don't know anything about israel they don't know anything about bible prophecy they've never heard anything about jesus coming again as far as they can see it's just a fairy tale but that is not at all what the bible teaches Daniel read and he understood we would be wise to also read and to understand Uh, Listen Damon duck. I've quoted him many times on Sunday nights because he has a new article every Sunday afternoon He writes this Jesus is coming soon Most are not ready. He wrote several different things one God said if I shut up heaven and there is no rain Or if I command the locust to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. He writes, that's from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. He writes, notice the words. If I shut up heaven and there's no rain, command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence. No rain, locusts, and pestilence. It's today. The drought in Australia has caused the smallest harvest ever recorded there. And the locusts are spreading from Africa to the Middle East, India, Pakistan, and China. And the coronavirus pestilence is spreading from China to South Korea, Japan, Vietnam, and Italy. No rain, locusts, and pestilence. God's solution is humility, prayer, and seeking Him in repentance. Number two. There will be famine and global economic collapse after the rapture. Revelation chapter 6 teaches that. It has been reported that the locusts in Africa are devouring enough crops to feed 35,000 people a day. That is outrageous. And the coronavirus has millions of people shut up in their homes, not working, not paying their bills. Factories, malls, restaurants, and hotels... Banks closing or being bailed out, etc., etc., etc. On February 24th, just the other day, the Dow Jones stock market lost more than 1,000 points. I think in this past week it dropped 3,500 points. God may be showing us what plagues can do, that his word is true, and that the need to accept Jesus is great. Number three, in 2001, Israel decided to build an underground high-speed railroad from Ben-Gurion International Airport to downtown Jerusalem. I've talked a lot about this in 2016 the railroad was almost complete Israel decided to extend it to the Temple Mount and to build a railroad station there to accommodate visitors I've mentioned that last week in 2017 Israel decided to name the railroad the King David railroad because King David made Jerusalem the capital of Israel Israel also decided that the train station near the Temple Mount will be called the Donald J Trump train station Because President Trump recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I've been to that particular train station. It's an old train station. They call it the old one. Soon to be called the Donald Trump station. Uh, um, uh, David Tao was telling me that one, because he knows that I'm uh, very familiar with that one. And he says, that's the one they're going to call the Trump train station. And then he goes on and says, "Uh, the design work is now complete on this train, and Israel will dig a 1.8 mile long tunnel under downtown Jerusalem and the old city of Jerusalem. To me, if you know the dynamics about archaeology in Jerusalem, digging a tunnel, Sean, can you imagine digging a tunnel two miles long under the old city? I'm thinking, I can imagine right now the things they're finding as they're doing this. And the things they're looking for as they're doing this too. It's just just pretty unbelievable. Um, So that the train will be able to go through the temple under the old city. Man. For according to bi- the Bible, Israel will have silver and gold and cattle and goods in the latter years and the latter days. Israeli farmers and ranchers have been raising and selling cattle to Palestinians. In September of 2019, uh, the PA launched a boycott against Israel beef. Uh, the boycott has been uh, settled, and Israel will sell 120,000 head of cattle to the, pay, uh, to the Palestinian Authority. Each month, more than 1.4 million head of cattle per year. You look at that, and you go to the cattle. All these different things that God says are going to be increasing in Israel the cattle and the produce. And you, you go there, the vineyards, you drive through Israel, and there's vineyards everywhere, and there's produce everywhere. And, and there's the, the, cat, the, the, the cows are out there, and the cattle, and there's really good steaks, and they're kosher. And uh, just, you know, there's, there's, not, there's bacon's very hard to come by. Um, according to the Bible uh, Jerusalem will have to be expanded. Mr. Netanyahu announced that he has approved permits to build six and also expanding their borders. The borders that God gave Israel is much of those borders uh, definitely during the, the uh, millennial kingdom. Uh, number six, God may be giving us a glimpse of the tribulation period but we are not in the tribulation Scripture is our blessed hope, and 98% of those that call themselves Christians don't talk about it. Jesus is coming again soon, and most, even in the church, are not yet, uh, th- they're not ready. Listen, God wants us to have hope. He's given us a future. He wants us to understand Bible prophecy. Uh, think of this, in the time of David, King David. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 says, The sons of Issachar, this is one of my favorite verses for Bible prophecy, the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200, and all of their brethren were at their command. The sons of Issachar in the times of David had an understanding of the times. So they knew what Israel ought to do. Think of that. Only 2%... Of church-going Christians, even consider wanting to understand the times. That is shocking, but it's it's the reason why we can look at things and say uh, the Bible warns us where Jesus says um, over and over that we need to watch. In fact, Jesus said, "Look up for your redemption draws near." Many aren't looking up. Uh, uh, Peter said look for and hasten the coming day of God. Uh, The church primarily, 98% of the church is not interested in looking for the coming day of God. Paul said, do not be caught unaware. Don't be asleep regarding the prophetic things that these days should overtake you like a thief, but watch and be sober about them. Uh, John said, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And repeatedly we are told to be watchmen, watch women. In fact, Jesus even said, watch and be ready, watch and pray so we need to daniel was when he was captive in babylon he's able to read and go aha we're almost free to go home i can read and i can look at what's going on and go aha how much longer lord you've given us over 800 signs regarding the second coming of christ amen okay number two Proper prayer leads to proper understanding of Bible prophecy. And only two things tonight. I know that one was rather long. Don't worry, this one's going to be way longer. Um, maybe not, actually. Just kind, kind, kind of joking. Um, where am I? I'm in Daniel. i got to find where that... Okay, let me get back to Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. Look at verse 3. Ready? So Daniel had been reading about the prophecies. He knows that the Jews are about ready to return to Jerusalem. The 70 years of captivity are almost over. Verse 3, Daniel says, I set my face toward the Lord God to, who, to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O oh Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. Notice this, verse 5. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. Verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us. Notice how Daniel's doing that. He, he's including himself. And be one who was rebellious against God. But to us shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those near and those far off, in all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness which with uh, which they have committed against you. O oh Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against Him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed by Your law and has departed, so as not to obey Your voice. Therefore the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against Him. Wow, it's we, us, he's including himself in all of the turning against God. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and our judges who judged us by bringing upon us great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, I mean, listen to this prayer of Daniel. You ever prayed like this? I pray, this is how I pray, something like this. Lord, they are really messing up. Lord, convict them of their sin. Daniel's just God himself. We, we, uh, me, uh, us. Wow! Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does through, though we have not obeyed his voice. Daniel didn't obey his voice. Man. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself as it is this day we have sinned we have done wickedly oh lord according to all your righteousness i pray let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city jerusalem your holy mountain because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers jerusalem and your people are reproached to all those around us now therefore our god hear the prayer of your servant and the supplications And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear to hear. Open your eyes to see our desolations in the city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city is where your people are called by your name. Wow! Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, that's the angel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about, the time of the evening offering, and he informed me, and he talked with me, and he said, oh Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. We'll stop there at the reading for tonight. That's a lot. But Daniel's like, Lord, we're going to be released, but what on earth is going on We have sinned. Lord, help me to understand. The angel Gabriel says, now that's a good prayer. So God sent me to tell you what in the world is going on and what in the world is going to go on. Man, next Sunday night, we'll see the rest of Daniel. And we are going to see what the answer was to his prayer. And let me tell you, it's going to tell us about the Antichrist. It's going to tell us about a peace covenant that is coming. It's going to tell us about a revived Roman Empire. The rest of Daniel chapter 9 gives us more information on the kingdom of the Antichrist and the global empire that's coming than any other place in the Bible, except for the places that are spelled out in more detail within the book of Revelation. But Daniel prayed in such a way that he did hear from God, and so can you and I. So with our remaining time here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to know how to have your prayers answered. Especially as Daniel wanted to know, how do I have my prayers answered regarding understanding Bible prophecy? Amen? Amen. Because I know I still confuse half of you guys every week anyways. So you ready? Okay, ready? Life-changing prayer is A, according to God's will. When Daniel read in Jeremiah that God was going to keep his people in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, Daniel believed and he prayed accordingly. He didn't need to ask what God's will was. He read God's word and he understood God's will and then he prayed accordingly. But the question comes, if Daniel knew what God was going to do, the people are going to be released, then why did he pray? Well, that's a good question. If God is going to do something anyway, then why should you and I Pray about it, right? Daniel knew. I, I know what your word says. You're going to release us after 70 years. 70 years are almost up. We say, well, Lord, you're going to do such and such, so why pray? Here it is. God knows his plan, and he reveals his plan, his will to his children. But he expects us to pray over that plan. Here it is. God wants you and I to be involved. And he involves us when we start to pray over the matter, when we pray, it isn't God who changes. You know that? It's us who changes. I do not pray to get God to change His will, but to get my will in line with God's will. So here's the thing. Again, ninety-eight percent of the churches don't want to hear Bible prophecy. The churches, uh, people who go to church, Christian churches, don't want to hear it. Only two percent. I'm guessing you guys fall into the 2% or you wouldn't be here, right? So with that, though, I would say this to to anybody who's a Christian and and they're honest. They say, I want to be an honest person. Then honestly ask God to show you, according to his word, pray. Pray like Daniel did. Lord, show me. Here's what your word is. I believe if you honestly seek him and you're an honest person, honestly wanting to know god will do to you what he did with daniel he will show you god is faithful god wants us to understand bible prophecy why on earth would god give us so much prophecy if he didn't want us to know over a quarter of the bible is bible prophecy god has wasted 25 percent of his time that's how the bible treated the lord i don't need that quarter i don't need 25 of your word That is just a waste. I am not going to say that to the Lord, ever. There's no way I'm standing before him on Judgment Day and saying, I just want to ignore that part because, God, you and I both know that was unimportant. Wow! I ain't going to do that. Uh, Life-changing prayers according to God's will, God's word, and also our walk. But according to his word, um, listen, think of this. Uh, David Jeremiah writes that uh, as a pastor, he had this young lady come to him and say uh, she wanted to get married. And and uh, her boyfriend was not a Christian. And he sat down and he goes, we're going to go through pre-marriage counseling together. And uh, he said, he's not a Christian. You're unequally yoked. Uh, God's word, by God's word, I know this isn't God's will. And she said, well, I have... Well, I have a peace in my heart over marrying uh, this man. Uh, David Jeremiah said, I don't know what you've got in your heart, but it isn't peace from God. It's probably infatuation. Then he writes, it's a waste of time, your time and God's time, to pray about something that is revealed by his will and in his word that he has already said is wrong. God doesn't change his mind. And so when we pray according to his word, Daniel was able to pray according to the word of God. And so you and I, we can pray according to his will. We can pray according to his word. We can pray also according to our walk. Um, Daniel prayed often. Daniel prayed three times a day. Uh, Daniel's prayer um, was with passion. Our prayer is good to be with passion. Uh, Daniel set his face toward the Lord God, and he made his request with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. The New Testament term for passion would be uh, fervency. James talked about the effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man. Uh, but you, So you think of that, Daniel sets his face toward the Lord with fasting sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth was the garment of mourning and sorrow, and the ashes remind us of sacrifice and death, but also ashes remind us of the book of Job. Job prayed fervently while sitting in an ash pile and putting ashes on his head. Other places in the Bible, we see people tearing their clothes when they prayed or or wailing. Uh, We see the Holy Spirit with great groanings praying about us. And we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying with such great agony that blood came from his sweat glands. Uh, I I read the story of a monkey that was outside. It was freezing cold outside. It's absolutely freezing. Minnesota or Chicago or North Dakota, really cold. To me, cold is 70 degrees and lower. I start to freeze, right? Anybody else? That's why we live here, right? Today it's freezing. It's shivering weather. I need like five jackets. It hits 69. That's was like, horrible. Uh, so this monkey is freezing outside, literally freezing. And he looks through a window and he sees a fire in a fireplace. The monkey gets into this building and the monkey sits in front of the fire in this fireplace. The next day, the monkey had frozen to death. The monkey is sitting in front of a painting of a fire. Um, there are churches and Christians like that, right? Painted fires on painted screens with painted flyers and painted bulletins and painted banners. No real power of the Holy Spirit, no passion, no fire. I read of a pastor who described his church by saying, oh, yes, Uh, he described the unity of his church. He said, oh, yes, we're unified. In fact, if you want to know the truth, we are frozen together. You call it. There's another term for that, the frozen chosen, right? There's a lot of churches like there's no passion, there's no fire. They're not passionate about the Word of God. They're not passionate about the Spirit of God. They're not passionate about the things of God. They're not passionate about the last days. They don't even want to hear about the rapture. They don't want to hear Jesus is coming again. They are the frozen chosen uh, another pastor described his church and said i'm sure that our church will go first in the rapture will go up first in the rapture because the bible says the dead in christ will rise first <laughs> oh, that's that's great that was funny isn't it that was great um with with passion and with confession how many of you are old enough to remember the happy day series with arthur fonzarelli and that Okay, that's almost everybody. Wow, some of you aren't that old. You must see reruns. Okay, so remember Arthur Fonzarelli. He could never say, I was sorry. Remember that? He could never say, I was wrong. Remember that? I was wrong. He couldn't, there's no way he could say say that. Um, Truthfully, that's one of the hardest phrases to say. Um, I I was wrong. For the Christian to say, I have sinned, but life-changing prayer is born out of confessing our sin before God. Throughout his prayer, know what Daniel said. I pointed this out as we were reading. We have sinned. We have rebelled. We have done wickedly. We did not heed the word of your prophets. We have not obeyed your voice. We have not walked in your laws. Uh, Throughout the prayer, Daniel lumped himself in with the people who are guilty. In verse 13, he even lumped himself in with the people who didn't pray. He says, we have not made our prayer before the Lord. Daniel was one of the great prayer warriors in the entire Bible. Why would he say that he didn't pray? And Daniel wasn't what we would label a great sinner. Daniel is one who also listened to the prophets and he said, we haven't listened to the Daniel Daniel's just reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Why would he say such a thing as this? Two reasons. One of them is because the closer a person gets to God, the more they see the truth of themselves. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. When he saw the Lord, he saw his own sin, and also because there is nothing that you are capable of doing that I am not capable of doing. This is confession. The Apostle Paul said, you know, "The Apostle Paul was listen. I don't. Maybe you, some of you are super righteous, but I look at the Apostle Paul. I'm thinking he wrote half the New Testament. He is more righteous than most people in the history of the world." as far as his righteousness in Christ, yet he's someone who had been walking with the Lord for many years, and he says, I'm the chief of sinners. He says, the things I want to do, I don't. The things I should do, I don't do. The things I shouldn't do, I end up doing those things. I think we could all say amen to that. The closer we get to the Lord, the more we see of ourselves. And I also know there's, there's nothing that you do that I am not also capable of doing at the same time. We're all sinners. And we all need to be concerned about that. Um, so, life-changing prayers with passion, with confession, and with reverence. Here's the deal: life-changing prayer magnifies the Lord. That's exactly what Daniel did in verse four. Oh Lord, great and awesome God! And then throughout the rest of the prayer, you know what he did? He praised God. He he verse 13 daniel prays before the lord our god verse 14 the lord our god who is righteous verse 15 the lord our god who brought us up out of egypt he's remembering the greatness of god we would do well to remember the greatness of god in the small things and in the big things god is great not just because there's nothing too big for him god is great is because there's nothing and no one too small for him that is a remarkable thing with our god Verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, he is praising God. Verse 17, now therefore our God, and for your sake cause your face to shine on your sanctuary. Verse 18, O my God, incline your ear to hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city, which is called by your name because of your great mercies. It's just over and over and over in this prayer. I am a sinner. You are awesome. Verse 19, oh Lord, hear, oh Lord, forgive, oh Lord, listen, do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. We cannot praise God and be self-centered. We cannot praise God without surrendering our selfish selves. In praying, we recognize who he is and who we are not. Amen. God is in heaven, and you are not. And that was the foundation of Daniel's prayer. And what happens? Gabriel sent by God. Hey, Daniel, that was a really awesome prayer. God's going to answer that prayer. You want to answer a prayer? Take this model from Daniel. Next week, we're going to see the results. It is one of the most incredible insights to, I believe, the days that we live in right now and what is coming. God wants us to understand Bible prophecy. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 25, check this out. Verse 2, the Bible says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. God has concealed these things, but as sons and daughters of the king of kings, we get to search them out and understand these things. Daniel wanted to know, And they're revealed to us in the Bible in the days in which we live. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. For you are good. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, HopeForOurTimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.